Y'all ready for a new series? Yeah, we're going to dive into a new series this morning called Living Sacrifices. Can y'all say Living Sacrifices? Let's start off in some scripture here. This is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And we're going to read this in the New King James. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Can y'all say living sacrifice? Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you in advance for what you want to accomplish through this teaching series. Holy Spirit, we don't take your presence or your guidance for granted. We need it in preparation. We need it in deliverance of messages. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are working both in my mouth speaking and in the ears of those listening. God, we're so grateful that you are revealing truth. And in advance, we just say, Satan, you have no power to twist words in Jesus' name. Clear communication in our church in Jesus' name. No division in Jesus' name name. We want you, Jesus. We want you. We love you. Amen and amen. So here's the cool thing. Uh, living sacrifices, what does that mean? It means that as we surrender all of ourselves to him, we get to experience all that he is in our lives. Did you hear me? As we surrender all of ourselves to him, we say, God, I'm yours. Every part of me. Can y'all say every part? Yes. Now, this says present your bodies, but how many of y'all know there's a lot more to us than just our bodies? Yes. Hence, verse 2, right? It says be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. God wants your mind just as much as your body, okay? He wants it all. And so throughout this, this series, although yes, it is talking specifically also about our bodies, and there is something certainly to be learned there, right? How many of y'all think God wants our bodies? Yeah, how many of y'all think God wants our bodies healthy? He wants to heal us. He wants to lead us and guide us, and not just playing catch up. Hello. He wants to lead us always right? It's weird how within Christianity, sometimes we only talk about bodies when something is wrong. Why is that? He wants all of us. He wants it all. He wants to lead us and guide us and shape us and mold us in our minds, bodies, and spirits. Everybody said, amen. amen. So again, when we surrender all of ourselves to God, we can experience all he has to give. As we die to self God breathes life into us. This is the best exchange ever. What are we sacrificing? Death. What do we get? Life. That's a good deal. Hello, is that a good deal? 
So, so it's funny because it's like when you think about, oh, well, sacrifice, that means I'm giving up so much and I'm giving up. Really, we're giving up ownership of ourselves. That's what we're doing. That's what God wants. And it's the most beautiful decision we can make because it's letting him be God. It's letting him have all of us, breathe life into all of us. So during this series, we're probably going to get pretty specific. We're going to talk about some opportunities that we can live self-sacrificially. But let's remember, this is a beautiful invitation. This is us saying, okay, anything I'm giving, I'm expecting God's life in. That's the alternative. So with this, Ben, can we throw the series graphic back up? So it's funny because um, how many of y'all are grateful for the anointing? Yeah, uh, if you don't know what that word means, it just means Holy Spirit, the power of Holy Spirit working mightily. And, and Kara and I, you know, we, we brainstorm about the kind of the graphic representations of series, you know, and prayer goes into that and um, creativity goes into that. How many of y'all think God is creative? Amen. Yeah, and, and how many of y'all think God likes for babies to take naps? Yeah. Yeah. How many of y'all think it's a beautiful thing when those two things, the anointing and naps, all happen at once? I'll tell you what, man, this is the lane I'm living in, y'all. And, and it was just so tremendous because uh, a couple of weeks back, you know, we knew we were going to be diving into this series. And it's funny how sometimes you can think about things that are like weights in your future. Like, oh, no, I'm going to have to do this thing. I need this thing. God help me. But when it's him, he just gives you an unction and an anointing to do it, and you can just dive in and get done in three hours what could take a week. And I was so grateful because no joke, Kara and I sat down on the couch. We said, okay, God, what do you want us to do graphically? And I opened up like Photoshop, which for those of you who don't know what that is, maybe you've used paint on the computer. But I basically just did a terrible rendition of it. And what I did was, here is all of our gray, lifeless doing. I just drew it. Gray, 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 gray. How many of y'all have ever had some gray, lifeless doing? Anybody? The stuff. All of the stuff. Hey, anybody want to take a guess what the giant red paint stroke is? The blood of Jesus. That's right. It's, that's not sneaky. That's pretty obvious, right? And then over here, do you all notice how there's less than what's over here? There's less stuff. How many of y'all think maybe we bite off a little more than we're supposed to chew? Anybody? Also, what do you see over here that's not over here? Color. There's a vibrancy and a life. When we submit all things to Jesus and what makes it through will be worthwhile. What doesn't, okay, it wasn't good for us in the first place. Right? Like some things that we sacrifice will actually just die. And that's okay. And that's, that's good. Because I don't want to be carrying godless baggage. I don't want to be distracted by all the stuff. I want to give all of me to him. All of us, you guys. Don't reserve 
the blah. Don't hold on to distractions and lifeless nonsense. It's not worth it. It's not. God's got so much more for you. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 6, verse 11. You all know how it is if you see words that look bold. <laughs> if you would read them with me, it's good to get scripture in and out of our mouths. Amen. Yeah. So let's say this together. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We get to be dead to sin. Sometimes we talk about like, oh, well, don't sin as if it's some kind of penalty. It's an invitation to life. Like being dead to sin is a beautiful thing. Because sin leads to death in bondage. And how many of you know we were called to be free? Yeah? Amen? That's a beautiful invitation. We get to be alive to God instead of caught up in stuff that's holding us back. In the book of Hebrews, it says that uh, sin entangles us. The stuff on the left-hand side of the screen, on the left-hand side of the blood of Jesus, that's the entanglement. And that's not what we want. Amen? Amen. We want to be free. We want to be vibrant. We want to be focused on that that God actually cares about. Not chasing all the nonsense. Free. Can y'all say free? I like free because it forces a smile on your face. <laughs> free. You can't go free. You know I, mean? I mean, you can, but it's pretty obvious. You ain't free. You know what I mean? Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I wanted to introduce you to some of these scriptures. We're going to be reiterating them throughout and deep diving. Uh, but if you're taking note, please write these scripture references down and study them as we go through this. Y'all ready to read? says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Doesn't that sound great? We get to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That sounds a lot better than sin and death to me. Sounds so much better. And you might be like, so wait a minute, but I'm at this contrary point now because, you know, Pastor Stephen's talking about sin and death, and yeah, I see sin and death, and so am I just not invited to the table? Do I, got, do I not get to be a part of this conversation? We said it in worship. God's not afraid of your filth. But he wants to clean you. Did you hear me? He's not afraid of the filth. But Holy Spirit purifies. And his presence in our life transforms us and shapes us in a tremendous way. So let's go ahead and pull back up Romans 12. And notice that little area there. We're just going to read verse 1, but let's read the bold words together. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. So here's what you could mistake this as saying. You could mistake this verse to be saying, all right, before you come to God, you better get all 
cleaned up, right? And then go, hi, God, I'm here. I made it. I'm perfect. Look at me. Y'all think that's what this is saying? I don't think so either. Before we dive into what it is actually saying, let's take a look at some of these words in the Greek. So, uh, first of all, let's take a look at the word living. This word here means to live, breathe, be among the living. Okay, so there's a basic component to it. But how many of y'all know that breath is a pretty trippy thing? What keeps us breathing? Right? God, like, pretty wild if you think about it. I like to, to enjoy real life. Can y'all say real life? Real. Not life. Real life. Real life. To have true life worthy of the name. Whose name? Jesus. Active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. And then the third meaning that it talks about is in uh, metaphoric terms, says to be fresh. Woo! How many of y'all like freshness? Sounds like the Holy Spirit to me, you know? Strong, efficient, active, powerful, efficacious. How many of y'all want those things? God wants those things for you. Don't be duped into trying to attain those things on your own before coming to God, presenting all of yourself to him so that he can make this a reality in your life. Remember, we're giving up death so that we might live. Amen? So we approach him saying, hey God, any part of me, any part of me, you're, you have it all. Anything that's dead, any baggage I'm carrying, cool, let's get it off. Let's replace it with life. Let's be living sacrifices. Let's take a look at the word holy. <laughs> okay, so just for reference, awful is not an inherently bad word, okay? When this is saying awful, how many of y'all have heard of the word awesome? Yeah, it's like awe. It's like, whoa. It's full of awe. Okay, now, obviously, within the culture that we live in, it's usually referring to something bad. That's not the case here. Holiness is holiness, right? Um, two, sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or religious, ceremonially consecrated, most holy thing, saints. So how many of y'all think that we are going to be those things before coming to God? No, we can't be. We can't be those things without God. We need God to be any of those things. And then thirdly, the word within Romans 12, 1 is accepted. Can y'all say accepted or acceptable? Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. It says here, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. How are we accepted? In the Beloved. Right? So here's the good news. In order to be a living sacrifice, what we're not saying is get it all figured out, be holy on your own. Somehow come to life on your own and be accepted on your own. Then come and bring that thing 
to God's table. We are bringing ourselves vulnerably to him, letting him breathe life and holiness into us, showing us that we are accepted in and because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross once and for all time. Amen? Amen. And there's an invitation to that life, and it's vibrant. Do not mistake me for saying that God does not want to transform us. He does. He does. God doesn't like sin because sin harms people. And God loves people. Right? Sin leads to death. Obviously, God's like, I don't want that. He brings life. So let's not get, let's not, let's not make more of sin than we ought. Did you hear me? Let's not dismiss it as an issue but let's not magnify it because that is when we give it power in our lives. We magnify Jesus. Amen? We admit sin is bleh, but we let God transform us out of it. Amen? So uh, let's take a look at Romans 12 again. We're going to be reading this a lot. Uh, this is in the Passion Translation says this, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. I think that's a really good way of summarizing it and kind of organizing the order of the words. How many y'all know within translations and even paraphrases, that's always been kind of a challenge is getting the words in the right order. I think that this makes it clear in the way that we use English today. We present ourselves to him so that we can be what he wants us to be. It says, and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart. Man, what a definition of holiness. Experiencing all that delights his heart. Again, sometimes we talk about sin and holiness and everybody gets very, you know? Everybody's like, you know? And it's just like, listen, God loves you. He wants you to experience what brings him delight. And there's joy in that, y'all. Let's not get the sap and the beauty sucked out of every conversation about holiness. Holiness is a beautiful thing. It's not a curse word. But some people think holiness is a curse because we're pooping on everybody's party. We're not. God is the ultimate party maker. God wants us to be full of joy. The other stuff is just phony wannabe stuff. He wants to bring us to life as we surrender ourselves to him. I like that last thing that says, this becomes your genuine expression of worship. You can shake your hips for Jesus. You can shout and dance. Are you living fully surrendered to him? It's a fair question, right? Right? And it brings him joy. I'm not attacking you. I love you. You're the best. God loves you. He died on a cross for you. But let's live. Let's live this out. So God's desire is that our presentation is a genuine expression of living surrendered to him. 
How many of y'all have read where Jesus just like totally gets after the people who are presenting themselves as getting it all figured out on the outside, but they're empty inside? Yeah? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus would do that. He'd call them whitewashed tombs. How many of y'all would like Jesus to call you that? It's kind of a wake-up call. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. Something is amiss here. But what is a whitewashed tomb? It's something that's full of death trying to present itself as being full of life or covering up the death on the inside. I would rather just give all of my death to God and receive all of his life in me. Amen? So good, man. So let's go ahead. We're going to take a look at Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. So this is talking about Jesus. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. So he's, he's telling this to his disciples. How many of y'all think this could be some jarring news? Yeah? Um, yeah, okay, I gave up everything, God, or Jesus, to follow you with great expectation. And then Jesus is like, guys, I'm going to get killed. It's like, oh. And, but he does say, and after three days, rise again. And then they're like, oh? You know? Like, you're going to what? And at this point, Jesus had talked a lot in parable, but he'd also talked a lot literally. And they're probably just like, uh, Jesus, are you being for real on this one? <laughs> like, are you speaking literally or figuratively? We don't know. You told us to drink your blood, you know? You told us to eat, your, eat you, man. So, like, we don't know what to believe at this point, you know? But it seems as though Peter actually understood what was going on here. Says, and he was, so Jesus says he was stating the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside. Y'all ever been taken aside? Yeah. Oh, boy. And began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Y'all ready? For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Interesting. You are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Part of this series is going to be talking about replacing the interests of man with God's interests. And how sometimes that requires faith. Hello? Y'all know that? Yeah, always. It's a better way of putting it. It always requires faith. Because we have to trust that God is actually, like, he's actually going to come through. He's actually going to come through. As we give him all of ourselves, as we trust him, as, as Peter has to trust him to actually be raised from the dead. This wasn't a common occurrence. He had to actually trust that this was going to happen. So Satan wants to convince us to put our own interests before God. What could that look like? That could just look like selfish thoughts. Y'all ever have any selfish thoughts? 
hey, come on, after service, we'll pray for you, you know. <laughs> Maybe we go back, we could take communion, you could be forget, you know. But, but sometimes we have selfish thoughts, self-centered stuff, and we get lost in this mess constantly thinking about what we think and our preferences and our opinions. I want to tell you, many of our preferences are preventative to the life of God. Peter's preference would have prevented abundant life. Think about it. Think about it. Like, okay, yeah, obviously we don't want Jesus to die. Obviously we don't want what happened on the cross to happen from Peter's perspective, right? And selfishly, you could stay in that place. But what Peter was unaware of was the tremendous life this was going to bring, right? So let's not let the voice of the enemy through anyone or in our thoughts talk us out of the interests of God. Amen? Interests of man can get out of Dodge. I want nothing to do with it. So I wonder what, what was going on with Peter. You know, Peter could, it could be that Peter could only see the loss, right? Jesus is going to die. I, all, all he can see is that. And so he's threatened by that. He's scared of that. And so what does he do? He goes, no, Jesus. And then Jesus is like, nah, Satan. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. Right, that elevated quickly. How many of y'all know our enemy is not flesh and blood? Right? <laughs> it could be that Peter could only see his misguided expectations. How many of y'all know Peter wasn't expecting some heavenly kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven in a spiritual capacity. Peter wanted Jesus to be like, it is all mine now, naturally. He wanted an earthly kingdom set up right then and there. This looked different than that. He still wants to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, but it didn't look the way he expected it to. And therefore he fought against it. Don't place expectations that are not placed by God. Don't make up expectations that God did not give you. Do you hear me? You will be disappointed or you will prevent yourself from entering into what God's calling you to. Don't box yourself in. Peter might have thought, what if you don't come back to life? <laughs> right? I mean, guys, can we be honest? You know, like, think about Peter. Jesus is like, yeah, man, I'm going to get killed, but I'll be back. He's like, what? Uh, I don't know if you know how death works, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, you don't know how life works, Peter. Oofta. <laughs> that deserves a good old Midwestern oofta. Hit me with an amen or an oofta, you know what I mean? So here's my question that I submit to all of us, myself included today. What have we talked ourselves out of or let others talk us out of that could be a tremendous platform for God's love and life? What preferences are preventing us from kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven? Let's give those things up. Let's give them to God. 
and he can do whatever he wants with them. Amen? So I'm just going to run through for the sake of time, but I'm not going to run through them so fast that they lose their poignancy. What could be some roadblocks to sacrifice? What could be things that prevent us from living sacrificially, giving ourselves to God? I think one, because again, what does he want of us? He wants all of us, right? That means no cubbies. That means no hidden pet projects from God. That means he gets everything. I think that a roadblock to sacrifice, a roadblock to letting something potentially die is the fear of admitting failure. How many of y'all have ever been so invested in something that you're afraid to give up on it? Maybe just look at it even in terms of stocks, okay? Some people, there's an actual mental thing that happens. When you invest in something, you become attached to it. Here's my question. If you're attached to something that's dying and is hopeless, why hang on to it? There's a point that you got to let it go. There's a point that you got to let it go. Did you hear me, church? There's a point that you got to let it go. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But that doesn't mean that when God says do something now, he's saying do it always. Do it forever. How many of you have seen God change and work you through different seasons of life? Anybody? Yeah? So don't dig your heels into something that's dying. Let's stay plugged into God always and let him breathe life always and not hang on to the things that are dying. So don't dig your heels into death. Here's a question. Well, with fruit, how many of you we just got out of a series called Fruitful? How many of you know Kelly's bringing us back into a series about fruitfulness? <laughs> There's a season in which you are investing in something, which sometimes, so let's take a baby tree. Baby trees, they take some time to grow fruit, don't they? And so you can invest in something, and it can take a little while before you see fruit. Sometimes things have no fruit because they're dead. And there's a difference. There's a difference between a growing tree and a dead tree. <laughs> right? Big difference there. Now, if the tree is growing and fruit is going to be a byproduct and you have confidence in the Holy Spirit that that is true, awesome. You're in a good place. If there's not going to be fruit, give it up. Give it up. And maybe there's not fruit because you've been walking that thing out without God's input. And if that's the case and he wants it to exist, he'll breathe resurrection life. If it's supposed to die, he'll let it die. And there will be less nonsense, less baggage. You'll be freer. Amen? 
So what else could be a roadblock? Doing the math. So again, how many will know it's wise to count the cost? Yeah? It's wise. When, when we're going, okay, I'm going to give something to God, it's wise to count the cost. But, uh, y'all remember in school when you were doing normal math? <laughs> you were allowed to have a normal calculator, right? I'm talking about the ones with just the numbers on them and then like plus, minus, divide, and equals. I'm with that calculator. That's my calculator, man. But then I started getting this other kind of math where you needed a whole different kind of calculator. These things cost like $80, right? And somehow they expect parents just to pick that one up, you know, and it's like, whoa. But what I'm saying is, is let's recognize that oftentimes when we get into math mode, I'm going to figure all this out, we're using a broken calculator a lot of the time. We're using the simple calculator to try and accomplish the ultra math. And how many of y'all know that the Holy Spirit gets to lead us in the real math, the ultra math? Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I'm saying don't just rely on this. This can be a janky calculator. Holy Spirit in us and through us. Woo He'll give you that one with all the buttons that I don't know how to use, but he knows how to use them, so we'll be good. <laughs> Tell you what, you start squaring stuff, it's just like, get out of my face. Tell me what to do. What else, could, what else could be a roadblock to sacrifice? Creature comforts. Ouch. How do y'all think that following Jesus in a real way will require us to get naturally uncomfortable? Hello? Yeah. Okay, so that means, and here's the beautiful thing, though. And I think it's 1 Corinthians. I think it's right in the, it's either, it's right in the beginning of either 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. But he says, the God of comfort will comfort you as you're uncomfortable. So, well, that looks uncomfortable, so I'm not going to do it. You're dismissing the opportunity to be comforted by God. Huh. That looks uncomfortable. Cool, I'm going to be comforted by God. That's the alternative, and I'll take that one, amen? Because our comfort on our own is just complacency. You can pretty it up however you want, but it ain't pretty. So, sacrifice might infringe on your comfort. It's good for you. I love you. God loves you. You're the best. Um, lastly, this is the last thing that I'm going to list off as a roadblock to sacrifice. Buying the lie that self-sufficiency is a good trait. Did you hear me? Well, I'm, I don't need to give this over to God. I got it. I got it figured out. Like, I'm self-sufficient. I got this. I don't need God. Oh, really? How's that working out for you? That's usually what I ask people. Like, if they're, if they're getting sassy with me about whether they need Jesus or not, like, how's it working out? 
It's a basic question. I don't mean it to be rude, but it's just real talk. You know what I mean? It's like, how's that working out for you? Because I know that if it's godless, it's not working out well. John 15, 5. Pastor Paul read this a lot in the Fruitful series. Let's go ahead and pull that up. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Are y'all ready? For apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't hang on to anything outside of God's influence. All of us is his. Amen? We are living sacrifices. He gets it all, and we don't try to do anything apart from him. It's just another gray dot. It's just another lifeless thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. Forgive me I, I, if this visual is really uncomfortable for you. I apologize, but I just have to obey God. And this week he showed it to me and I was like, man, that's kind of graphic. But what I saw was a person combing a rotting corpse's hair. I couldn't kick that visual. And that's what some of us are doing. Some of the things that we're hanging on to are rotting corpses. And we're just brushing the hair, trying to take care of it, when God just wants to bury it. So I apologize if that's like, ugh, you know, but just felt like I should share it. So when you give something to God, he will either breathe life into it, right? When you bring death to God, he will either breathe life into that situation. How I many you know he can twist things that the enemy meant for harm on their head for good? Come on, church, you know that? Yeah? Um, oftentimes, people are living out their godless life in just some perversion of their gifting. That's how it was for me with music. I was trying to make my own music that expressed my own thoughts and my own opinions and would get me the ladies and all that stuff. You know, and how many you know I gave that to God and he was able to do something with it. That didn't just die, but it was replaced with life. Amen. He breathed life into it. And now I get to yield that gift to God. It's a beautiful opportunity or he'll show you you don't need it. And that's fine, too. Don't expect God to bless a distraction. Some of us are praying, God, my will be done. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> Whose will is supposed to be done? His, his, his will, right. So when we pray, we say, God, your will be done. We don't, you know, not me, him, you know. And guess what? He knows what's best for us. So it's a better prayer anyways, you know. So here's some questions to consider throughout this week. Actually, I think there's just one question, but it's kind of like multi-parted. Are you keeping dead ownership of anything? What haven't you surrendered to God, and what would it look like to do so? Y'all think that's worth considering? Now, 
you know me, I don't want us just to go on some dumpster diving expedition, okay? Let the Holy Spirit lead you in this, okay? And then prayer suggestion, I put this up here because I think it's good sometimes when we're going through a series like this to just be like, okay, generally how can we pray? I'm not telling you to mindlessly repeat these words. Make them your own, engage with God. But something we could say is, show me anything I'm reserving from you and how to give it to you. I'm yours. I'm yours. Amen? Awesome. Well, y'all excited for the series? Yeah. yeah. Was that helpful today? Good, good. It's going to be good. I promise you. Give him your death. He'll bring you life. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.